irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Tori only on LA Talk Radio. Good morning yet once again, everybody. Today's Thursday, 420. What? Today is known no, as I'm just weed, kidding. weed Day. It is 420. I knew that. I forgot it, but I knew yeah. that. I know. You have to uh, remember no, people, kidding. but I made sure I rem- remember this year, and I'm going to do my tour of dispensaries around town. Wonderful. Maybe. maybe. Fantastic. <laughs> no, I was just invited to one, but it should be pretty cool. It used to be where you'd go to a dispensary. You can actually smoke there, you know? Yeah. But now you can't. They're really strict about it. Man, but, I got to let you know that uh, Postmates is giving my 420 free deliveries for 420 and it's very pot friendly they just sent out like an email to everyone in Los Angeles it could not be smarter who is that now oh Postmates What's it delivers that? food oh okay so it's like it's a great idea because it's like everyone's going to have the munchies in about six hours that's true you know right I mean? well maybe they should put some weed in the food too for yeah one day, right? I think they'll throw in a joint yeah, that would probably. be rad <laughs> god but uh, yeah so it's a cool day there's a lot of uh Theories as to why the name 420 and everything. But it just, you know, I'm not going to get into all of them. But uh, uh, let's just say that people are going to be celebrating all over America, at least today, uh, by smoking. My son in San Francisco said they're actually going to have like this huge park, probably with thousands of ten thousands of people all smoking and stuff. And you can imagine there's going to be police keeping the security and everything. You know what's so interesting is thousands of people doing a drug that's kind of controversial. Not one person is going to cause trouble. Exactly. Everyone's going to sleep. Or they're going to eat, or they're going to cuddle. <laughs> right, and nobody's going to be arrested. Nope. You know, and that's the thing. So San Francisco is a lot more liberal than L.A., so they do this kind of thing all the time. L.A.'s getting but, there, but yeah, I Yeah, we're getting you. there. Yeah, we're yeah. getting there. I think we have more people to answer to as a big city. Yeah, but 420, <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But 420 should be, I think, hopefully people will look at places like Denver, places like Los Angeles, where the, it not only succeeded, but there's like a surplus of budget that Denver's now putting towards its homeless. So I hope it highlights something right. today, too, and also gets you high. Exactly. That was terrible. I just came up with that. Know, All right, let's I move know. on. In, in fact, I was going to post something. I took a picture of this graphic in USA Today, and what it said was, uh, let me find it real quick, but that was interesting because um, it's, uh, oh, okay, let me tell you what it is. It says that 6.7, okay, North American, why is it turning on me? Okay, North American consumers spent $6.7 billion on legal marijuana products in 2016. That's what I'm trying to, That's yeah. up 34% from yeah. the previous year. Yeah. So with that, you, kind of, yeah. with that kind of a thing, uh, all I can say to Money Sessions speaks. is good luck trying to do something yeah, about exactly. this. Yeah, exactly. You know? Good luck. He says people uh, people who smoke aren't good or something right, aren't good people. Not, not I'm good like, people. okay, honey, I could go off on you. But here's right, my question. Exactly. He's a very nice Oh, man, yeah. Right? He's lovely. A yeah. Real racist. Real good Southern white racist. So <laughs> uh, what he, uh, the funny thing is about this is money speaks. Uh-huh. So everyone can be against marijuana until you start seeing numbers in the billions and we have a trillion dollar deficit right. and we're looking all over for some kind of business that could change our infrastructure and our money and it's right there and we're ready to sell it it starts to smell a little bit better do you right. know what i'm saying right and a lot of people no pun intended no right? i was waiting no i'm doing yeah, terribly today <laughs> Boo, why are you doing great that's the point. I'm not really liking this dad humor that's coming out i need to spend more 420 if you know what i mean um but yeah you start to i'm telling you money speaks money talks and you start to see um, senators that have been so far against it all of a sudden there's a billion dollars six billion dollars a lot of money yeah yeah you know what i'm saying i do i do in a moment we're going to be joined by a new friend of the show she was here last week so we'll bring her in just a bit you know what let's bring bring you in now okay we're joined by Kay brand uh once again you were here last week i was i was just in the middle of taking a selfie i can't believe you (laughs) take the freaking selfie then i wouldn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, I'll just, I gotta uh, take that selfie. I'll just tell about you. Kay, I was here last week. You were... Uh, 
you're uh, very much into sex and writing about sex and making movies and stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, we were talking about your books and stuff last yes. week. What about films? You, have you like produced films and stuff? I have produced films. Uh-huh. Are you talking about mainstream? No. Or adult? No, adult. Adult. Yeah, I've produced, um, I produced seven movies actually in, wow. in 2010. Um, but before that, I'd actually, uh, I, re- I wrote and I directed uh, roughly 35 movies for Girlfriends. So a few. Oh. So just a few. Just a few. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and these are all, if it's for Girlfriends, then it was all lesbian films, Those right? Those were. And wow. then I made the two biggest lesbian movies ever in porn called Cherry Episode one and Cherry Two, which came out in 2011. I filmed them in 2010, and they uh, swept the AVN and Xbiz Awards in 2012. Wow! Well, congratulations! Yeah, Mazel Tov. So you put more into your films than just fucking, right? I mean, oh that's god. bottom line, oh right? My god. Well, let's call it the way it is. Okay, you know? so yeah. What exactly. do you want me to say? I mean, making I- love, Tori? <laughs> They're not making love in those movies. Well. <laughs> yes, in some cases they are. Really? It, yeah, especially in my movies because everything is story based. Oh, so okay. I've only made story based films. Yeah, I yeah. have produced non story based movies. We sort of kind of call them Gonzo. Right. So, so that's just the action with no story around it, right? There's like a plot or a setup. A theme. Right. Yeah. But there's no... But there's it's a not theme. something you'd sit yeah. there and, and actually think about the the plot or anything. Right. Someone exactly. rings the doorbell, that's the plot. Right. That's or the yeah. babysitter yeah. or the sure. stepmother. There's a plumber and, involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I produced a movie called Naughty Newbies. Mm. And it was... Uh, what do you think it was about? I'll give you one guess. I thought it was about like like rookie, like new freshmen and, I don't uh, know, newbies. Not freshmen. That was what we talked Rookies? about last week. Oh, yeah. Um, virgins? No. No. Um, oh. no, not virgins, but uh, girls who were doing their first movie in the adult Oh, industry. right. That oh, was stupid. Yeah. Newbies. Okay. So um, that was, it, you know, it was fine. It was it was very well done, very well shot. Um, Van Stiles was the director, and he's pretty well known in the Gonzo arena. It's or called was, Gonzo, anyway. huh? Well, we call it that. We call all, you say all sex. You could say ah, all sex. But I like Gonzo. Mm. Yeah. That's way better. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, just kind of like going and attack. Ah, so, yeah. so now, would you say there's, I mean, I would Gonzo. imagine there's a bigger market for plot-based uh, with women more than men, no? I mean, wh- or are there men that really enjoy the stories? Oh, I'd say that my fan base to this day is still 60% men, 40% women. Wow. Men really want a story. They want to be entertained, and they also want incredibly hot sex. So yeah. if you can deliver both of those things... Cha-ching. Yeah, I've only had a couple of people actually publicly review my movies and say, I don't know. I think, you know, this was just went on and on, and there was so mm. much talking. <laughs> right. Right. So much, you know, and I don't, I don't give a crap. I don't care what those mm. people think. They're not my audience. Right. So now, how did you get into, I mean, was this like by design or by uh, coincidence or by fate that you ended up making lesbian movies? Well, like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty well known, you know, in all the interviews and the uh, blogs and radio that I've done that um, I fell into the industry really accidentally, if you believe in accidents. You know, I don't, in this case, because I wrote this play called Kiss Me Twisted in the 90s. That was about these two lesbian strippers who bring in a boy toy and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And the porn industry was sort of loosely the backdrop of the play. And it's just strange that after all those years in mainstream, I had my resume on a mainstream job board. Um, it was It's a website that still exists called VarietyMediaCareers.com and uh-huh. the only person that actually reached out to me from my uh, and, and connected with me and sent me a message over that website regarding my resume was Dan O'Connell, the man who owned Girlfriend's Films. Oh, wow. But he had a job posting on there that was so like, it was all about me. You know, like mm-hmm. if somebody had written the perfect yep. job post, it yep. was like, oh, that's me. So when I read it, it didn't say it was porn. It didn't say anything outside of the fact that they made all women uh, content. And I thought, this is a lesbian thing. But I'm thinking, at the time, there was a show on, what was it, Showtime? Called L. L- Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah Showtime. Yeah. And, um, and there, uh, the gay channels on, on cable were uh, perking up. And oh, yeah. a lot of content was being made that was... Logo, uh, the other one or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. 
Um, so I thought, you know, oh, this is some startup. And they were. They were a startup. They were very, very new. He had just a handful of people that worked for the company. He had in-house editors and a full-time camera girl and um, one production assistant. There was a, uh, his VP that uh, was there as well, who now owns the company. But um, yeah, that, that was, it was just when I read the job post, I was like, this is this is me. They're looking for one person to write and direct all their material who can become part of like a family type environment mm-hmm, right. where we all work as a team. And I thought that is one thing that was really missing of my years in mainstream was that I felt like I was just alone in right. the wind. There was you no, know? Family, like, no, no family, no village, no family, no trust. Mm-hmm. Even people that I really did trust you really couldn't trust them because it doesn't matter. I mean, you never know. You know, I would have these very elaborate pitch meetings when I, there was a span of time when I was working with um, a woman, I won't say her name, but she was a director, she was a director of General Hospital. And I had all of these ideas and concepts for reality television and she had uh, contacts because of being on, you know, directing General Hospital. So we started working together. We actually started an LLC and we went out and pitched these, these projects and you could have I mean, it's as if those executives were applauding for oh sorry yeah. I'm my microphone <laughs> were applauding for every idea that we had you know uh. they were they were they loved everything on my slate um the head of production oh, cool. at one particular company that's actually really close to here um was felt really gave me the impression that they were going to go forward with at least one of the projects that I had pitched and you know, then you get that email, then you get that letter a few weeks later, six weeks later, a couple months later, that they realized that they had a project that was very similar. Oh, I've had, pop, I have hundreds of those letters. Really? In their, yep, in their <laughs> pipeline. And what that really means underneath it all is that there was a bigger, badder producer, a bigger, badder director. There was somebody with a bigger name that came in and produced some, or that had, uh, mm. you know, that pitched something similar and, or they just took my idea and, and gave it, it to somebody else right. that they could bank on. Even with this director who, from General Hospital, even with her name, and she wanted on Emmy Awards. Right. You know, she had just come off a, a winning spree where she got on stage at the Emmy Awards, at the Daytime Emmy Awards, you know, and, right. and was accepting her awards for directing um, the best soap on television and or what it was then. This was years ago. This was years ago, like 10 years ago. Um, so... It was a very, very frustrating time because you realize that there's only so far that you can go unless you are, like I was saying last week, highly represented by one of the big five agencies Mm. or uh, even then. And even then, it's no guarantee. Um, Because I have been represented by some of them. And they if you're not a name even in their roster, they won't put you out. Exactly. You sit there like a chicken. You sit there. You sit sit, there with a false sense of hope and confidence. Because the elevator's nice. It looks good. The, there's a lot of granite in that building, and you think it looks good. <laughs> and they treat you well. They give you free water, right. and then they and don't talk to you for it, a year huh? and a half. Yeah, wow. yeah. And then when you read the stories about the the indies that actually happen to make it, or their first project somehow becomes really successful, but they funded it themselves, or they did it through Always. school grants, or Always. something like that, then they get discovered by ICM, and then or CAA or William Morris, Morris and yeah. they come around, and the agents are like, "Oh, there's a bidding war. All these agents want you." And then what I remember in mainstream going after I had a project that I was doing and I won't say the company and I won't say what the thing was about but uh, I had a very big company that was backing the project they hadn't financially committed to it but they had all the promises there like they were they were like if you can just package this so I was packaging I was trying to get a big director on board that I had a a lot of respect for I really liked his work and um, you know it I always got the impression from his agent that he really didn't care if this director worked. <laughs> like, he really wasn't an urgent thing to get my project to him. Right. He yeah, didn't so really I... feel the urgency of putting it all together. And I thought that was, uh, you know, that's just a strange thing to, yeah. to, like, how do you, what? What do you do then? You know, yeah. like. So you, you eventually realized I better do this myself and not depend on other people. Right. Well, I always I mean, did do it myself. I had yeah. a theater company in the 90s, and that was fully funded by me at first. And then it became a membership company later on where I had brought in all these you know, members, uh, and we they paid a due. But that due also guaranteed that they got to have their work table read, which is a big thing when you're mm-hmm. a writer. Right. See, people often think that, and I see this with authors all the time too, like, I'll just publish that first draft. 
right. <laughs> you know, of, my, right. of this book because I'm brilliant mm-hmm. and it's incredible. <laughs> and I don't need an editor and I don't need this. And I, don't I don't need, need to that. have it read out loud. No, I don't even need to read it over a second time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to publish it. So, right. and, and that is such a mistake because it takes many drafts, it takes many rereads, it takes sec- a second set of eyes. It takes out loud. You have to yeah. have someone else read it out loud. Yeah. Too. Yeah. The and table that, reads. Yeah. And I loved it. And it was good for the actors in my oh, theater yeah. company, too, because they got to, you don't really, you, you can act at a table read, but you're not doing like a full on, but you can start to exercise your your instrument. And when you're an actor, when you're a writer, when you're a director, you're at a creative instrument and yeah. you need to be exercising that all the time. And when I went through a four year dry spell in mainstream, I thought the world was over. You know, like yeah. I went, I actually went and became a retail manager. Really? Oh, wow. I've so definitely been there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And then that was like the worst, you know, because I was having these meetings with the district managers for these chains that I was applying for and lying through my teeth that these are, you know, like <laughs> just lying like, oh, yeah. God, this is my greatest dream to sell luggage. Can I please, please, please have this job yeah. uh, for $18 an hour? Can I stand here all day in an empty <laughs> mall and stare at luggage all day long? That's exactly oh what That's I did. Right. I do and still did and, and have done. And it's like humiliating at the same time. But at the same time, you're like, I will get out. Right. Uh, yeah, but and then you realize then just how shitty people treat sales people. At retail, people. They right. assume that you're nothing. Yeah. And I had, I was working, I worked for Toomey. Toomey was a big oh, yeah, luggage. Yeah, I love Yeah, very high-end, $1,000 suitcases, the whole thing. And um, I was a manager um, at the Topanga Plaza Mall. Wow. And, uh, but I worked at a couple of their locations, including the Century City Store. And um, I had somebody come in. I was actually going on an Alaska cruise. And uh, she was going on one, too, this customer. And she came in, and she was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going on this Alaska cruise, and I need to buy a new bag. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm going on an Alaska cruise, too. When are you going? I'm leaving in two weeks. When are you leaving? I'm, I'm leaving in like six weeks. We're going to August trip, blah, blah, blah. Families all, you know, like th- like all kinds of families meeting up for this. And it's going to be amazing. What line are you going? Holland America. Oh, I'm going on that line too. And then she scowled at me. Really? She looked at me like. So she didn't think like you qualified to go on the no, same trip as she does. No, well, fuck no. Okay, I'm fuck working that. at Toomey. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's coming into shop on a weekday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah come on. Come on. Uh, anyway. But yeah, I mean, I, and, and I don't think anything is humiliating when it's when you make a living, you know. Yeah, and, and it's, it is. When you though, make no, a I livelihood, meant, everything that you do yeah. is worthwhile, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know. And, but it's when you want to be doing something else, and you're pretending to do, be very proud of being like a retail manager. Yeah. It, <laughs> I guess you feel like you're lying to yourself. It feels yeah, weird you to yourself, are. and right. you have to dig right. up the integrity just, every day. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> always remember, keep focus on what you want to do. You know, and yeah. support yourself, and keep heading in that direction. I don't you know. What do, else you do, but I gotta you know? tell you, there's nothing as weary making as standing on your feet for eight to ten hours a day. Can I, yeah, yeah. Can well, that's more. the thing. Look, yeah. if if you can earn more doing something else, then you would. You know, I mean, that's what it comes down to. But see, the thing is about that when you're creative, you take yourself out of the workplace, right? And so it limits what you can actually do if you need to get that job. Right, right. I understand so, that. So, you know, they look at your resume and they say, well, can you account for all of this time? Well, yeah. <laughs> the truth of the matter is I was trying to be a producer, okay? <laughs> I'm a writer-director. I don't know what I'm going to, you know, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not. I hear you. Well, uh, can we go back to the lesbians for a moment? Because <laughs> I keep thinking about all these stories. Now, if you guys want to catch some of Kay's uh, books and stuff, you can go on Amazon and just look her up, Kay Brand, B-R-A-N-D-T. And uh, you've written a lot of books. How many? 21. 21 books. Uh, everything is erotic here. You can see uh, on the covers, lesbians, uh, couples, anything you can think of. I mean, the covers are almost like covers of porn, uh, like movies, you know, porn movies and stuff, but much more tame. Um, some of them are. More like, erotic, yeah, right? I mean, Safe Landings is actually the same cover as the movie because Safe Landings, I, I, I actually did an adaptation and turned that book into a movie for Adam and Eve in 2015. Really? Yeah, it was the first time they were searching for somebody to come along who would, who was an author who was willing to turn their books into films and the executives, you know, went all over town and they went to conventions and they searched for authors and they got zero response. And again, you're perfect for this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they didn't know. I mean, I had been talking with the head of production there for a while and I never brought up my books. Mm. And then suddenly I sent her an email and I said, you know, I, I just wrote these books. 
what do you think about making these into movies? Right. You know? And she's like, oh my God, we had no idea that, you know, like this, you, this is what we've been looking for for years. We've been looking for somebody to, to uh, an author to give us the rights to their book books uh, and a writer director who had connections or could do this whatever and I'm like oh, I can do this yeah. so we decided on Safe Landings and Safe Landings was I was still working on it it hadn't been published yet and that was a tough story to write because it's erotica and it's got a lot of sex in it but it's a drama and it's a difficult topic it was there were a couple times when I was writing the book where I was like why did I even start writing this <laughs> like it is so hard to do it's it not it's not the challenge that I that bothered me I love the challenge it was the fact that I really had to dive into some very difficult emotional places that my characters were existing in right, right. so that's part of being a writer too is that you at some point you have to uh, realize that you're not in control of it that really when you get to the point where your characters are telling the story and they're talking to you that's when you know that you've actually crossed that bridge that creative bri- bridge where you're mm. you're writing honestly and you're not forcing it because it's coming from your ego or your mind right. you're actually an open vessel allowing other things to come through and right. to try to explain that to a non-writer or somebody who isn't yeah that makes perfect sense nature, to me but I'm sure a lot of people yeah are like, yeah I mean I, I tell this to people all the time they look at me like you're fucking nuts. oh no I told him you're fucking nuts. But I'm I'm, I'm looking at your books now. Some of the titles are My Mommy's Got Your Daughter, for example. (laughs) Those are my fun. Right. And that's like a lesbian book, right? Well, they're shorts and they're published exclusively through Amazon. You can only get them there. Awesome. And then you have Lusty Lawyers Uh and Innocent Interns. Lusty Lawyers. Spanked by the boss. What's the interns? Do the interns one? Uh, And Innocent Interns. (laughs) Lusty Lawyers and their Innocent Interns, Volume 1 and 2. Right. First one is Spanked by the Boss. The second one is Nude is the New Black. And. uh, Wow. It's a fantasy. It's farcical. Uh-huh. It's um, it's about uh, a law firm that exists in a town that I made up called Crystal Hills. And Crystal Hills is where all the bad, bad lesbians live. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, okay, so now let me ask you this now. Uh, do you have a, perf- uh, a preference for women? Or I think you're married, right? I am. Yeah, so you're straight. I am. Now, so what's the appeal? I mean, we know how you ended up with girlfriend films, but when you write a book, you don't necessarily have to write it on lesbians. Why do you go there? Well, because when I started writing books in 2014, I left the adult industry. I took a two-year hiatus to write books. And really, I had to. The industry really changed in 2012. It became, uh, work became scarce. There were a lot of downsizing. The company I worked for, Digital Playground, was bought by a bigger company called Manwin. And they're now called MindGeek. But Manwin was responsible for some really nasty things that happened in the industry, including Mm. uh, the stealing of content and then selling it on tube sites so they would uh, they would steal scenes from existing movies yeah, and then yeah. sell them you know wow. put them on their their own website and this is a big company i mean why would they even do that it's a could very afford. long story that okay. i don't even want to get into yeah. but if you read about if you type in Manwin and you do some uh, research and you go all the way back to like 2010 20 2009 you'll start seeing some mm. uh PR and articles about what that company was about and how the owner disappeared and all that. It's it's all it's all very yeah, kind of like old yeah. school mob, but it wasn't mob. This was all European. Okay, so go go back to the fact okay. that the industry slowed down. And it did. It slowed down, and I I could not I could not get work. I did after uh, Digital Playground was sold. I lost my job, right. and I had my own company there called Jewel Box Films, which is also my Twitter handle. And those the Cherry Films were produced under girlfriends under a uh, girlfriend films under Jewel Box Films. Mm-hmm. And um, I just won all these awards. And two months later, I was uh, getting axed by a woman I'd never met before who Whoa. came into the building and decided to chop everyone's head. She was an employee of Manwin. She was a corporate head head chopper. Uh-huh. They came in. What with, a terrible job it, that must be. Yeah. God. Well, she didn't have any feeling or care about what my position mm. was. I just spent two years at Digital Playground sitting in a cubicle that they built around my body. Wow. They built yeah. around my body. They didn't even have. Was that small? They didn't well, I mean, have a place for me. It's you know this is such a long, uh, ugly story. It's so much better to I work. Know. And we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, it yeah, a yeah. little bit because I had had some experience with Digital Playground yeah. when I was doing computer Years animation. Ago. Yeah, uh, they were doing interactive CD-ROM. I went in to do animation to find out it's an adult film company. Uh-oh. <laughs> so that was like my introduction yeah. to the uh, to the industry and stuff. And uh, and yeah, so we share a lot of uh, the stories. The I mean, we, at least we knew pe- the same people. Yeah. But the reason why I st- I was. Wor- 
uh, the first books I wrote were lesbian books is because the World of Cherry series, books one through five, are all based on the Cherry movies. Because I'm that was supposed to be a series, and I had so much story already outlined wow. and crafted, and it was heartbreaking when I lost my job and Digital Playground was sold that I was that I was never going to be able to tell the rest of the story. So the book sort of came like at a cathartic time when I just really wanted to get it out. I yeah. just needed to finish telling the story. I was interrupted, and as yeah. a creative, that's a wow. horrible situation. So I found by writing the books that um, uh, my fan base was was very excited. They were fine. It, it didn't matter if it was film or book. They just wanted me to keep putting out content. Yeah, they and, like your imagination. Yeah, they like your language, and that was so inspiring to know that they were still wow. there. They were still waiting for me, and they were not... Um, they were okay. They were going to support uh, whatever I did one way or another. And that was one of the beauties I found about working in the adult industry is that um, I think that uh, uh, fans of adults who really like, <laughs> who really find a director or a performer or somebody that they really like, uh, they stay with you. They're very loyal yeah. and they support what you do. They pay for their material. And uh, it was unbelievable that um, I started writing books and I published my first book. And, you know, when you're, when you're an unknown writer, Writer, an unknown author it was really like starting from the bottom I had a resume I could show them trailers of all my movies and say this is what I bring to the table I'm actually a name right. you know um, I still got rejection yep, letters yeah. from publishers and this really isn't what we're looking for we don't we we need everything to be wrapped up with a bow and your things are happily for now at the end yeah. you know not happily ever after and blah 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 but they all said but we really like your work and we really like your writing blah blah, blah. Um, but Accessica a company owned by Celine Lena Kitt um, actually took my writing on and she publishes most of my work except for the mommy series which is a, a Amazon exclusive but I the, where this story where it actually has a really nice uh, twist is that after years of sort of like heartbreaking stuff going on the books led me back into the adult industry because of Safe mm, Landings right, right. which was the first boy girl male female book I wrote, you wrote. The, and it turned ah. into the very first male female movie I ever directed. Mm. Wow. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, we know a lot more about the porn industry now than yeah. we did a few minutes ago. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, so I have so many questions to you. But yes, the thing yes, is, is no, I mean, the thing is, there's so much to talk about and stuff. <laughs> but, but I'm fascinated with your mind, you know, because you go into so many different places with this. Have you ever, uh, I mean, well, first of all, I'm, you must get turned on when you write this stuff, right? Sometimes. You, yeah. know, you know it's good when you do. When you right. do get turned on by then your own writing. Then you know writing. I'm really getting into this now, Yeah, right? and if I don't really feel anything from it, then I usually go back and reread what I wrote and, and have to where decide. Do you, where do you write? Yeah. Do you write at, like... I have a, a home office. Do you do... So some people have to go out and do, like, a cafe. Some people write in right. bed. You're, you, like, do it as an There is no way I could write this at Starbucks. Because it's just so... Mm. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> It's not yeah, the right and your process and distractions. Yeah, dear, right, right. I have to like literally on the days that the dogs in my neighborhood all decide to bark because there's some like landscape <laughs> there's person a or it's like trash day. Sure, those are days when I want to go on a rampage with a gun because oh you can't God. write. Yeah. I can't because it's yeah. it, it's the, it's this constant noise. It's constant, and you in order to really write, and I'm talking about like for a me flow. But for me, because I'm still relatively new in this industry that's trying to break even, trying to make a dime in it, right? I have to output four to six books a year. Wow. It's an enormous amount of writing. And wow. I'm writing screenplays in between and directing movies. Wow. Yeah. So um, I'm going to buy you some Bose covering sound earphones so when those dogs go crazy that. please you do. can just have those on yeah that's gonna be your well Hanukkah i you know gift. and i do and i and i plug myself into music and it's still like by that time the writing process like the creative process is a strange yeah. mysterious thing it's like i had to i have to zone in so deeply into my writing that nothing else exists yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. and that means that the great distractors of social media you know having the phone nearby and you can just go oh i have a notification on Facebook, I must check it right now. That's urgent, urgent, urgent. You know, like that kind of shit, right? I know. Then you have to put it all aside, and you have to accept the fact that you have to play a disappearing act sometimes if you really want to get any work done. You know, sometimes I click on Facebook, and I cannot believe all of the authors that I see that are posting, 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 posting. How the hell do they get any work done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, obviously, nobody produces as as much content as you. I mean, that's a lot of content to produce. It's a lot. It's different places to go to in your head, yeah, and you have to have 
different stories with the same kind right. of Right. You don't want it to be all the you same. You can't have them right? all the same. Well, this yeah. year I've already writ- written one novelette, which is about 13,000 words. Okay. Um, then it's classified as a novella over 16,000 words. So uh, I wrote one called Hot Wives and Their Dirty Desires that came out um, just a couple weeks ago. I also wrote three screenplays since January. Jesus. And I've, I'm, I have two novels that I'm in process with wow. as well. And Where does all this come from? Do you have a muse or something? Yeah, I like mean, some what? people have, like, you're right, like some people, like, some people need alcohol, some people need to um, go outside, some people have a muse. What is your... Yeah. Your um, catalyst for writing. Yeah, I mean, I would even so be able much to come writing. up with maybe one story. Okay, you know, <clears throat> they lay, they lay down, they ate each other. Thank you very much. Oh my <laughs> God. Is this cannibalism? I mean, yeah, I mean. Well, they ate each other. You know what lick, I mean. Lick, lick, the yeah. <laughs> lick. Yeah, lick, lick, lick. <laughs> She's thinking cannibalism. I'm like they eat each other. We're talking what? about sex. <laughs> but who eats each other? Oh, eat each other out. Oh, eat, yeah, I'm going. I'm board. sorry. Okay. Because they I'm had board. nothing better. Eat to each do. other out. Okay, yeah, I didn't nothing say better. Right. Yeah. Nothing better to do. I love it. Yeah. Um, what was the question? Okay, so the, the question really is: There's no question on this. Okay. No, is there a muse? Uh, is there a muse? Oh, a muse. Oh. Um, yeah. no. You know, the thing is, is that once I uncorked the the writing genie in me and I decided to write books it just like this enormous flow came out that remember I'd, I've, I've told you that I went through a four year dry spell in mainstream where I couldn't write a thing wow. I was so depressed and the doors that all closed at once and everything it just felt like there was no purpose mm. and that is the worst you know writing the cherry books um, brought all this back and part of it is that you have to have a really strong work ethic. It's not just about having a muse. You can have that spark of an idea, but do you have the follow through to turn that idea into something that exists, that is a story? Even, you know, a lot of erotica does not really have a story at all. It's a lot like gonzo porn. It has a theme. Right. right. Maybe a little bit of a setup. It's more lick, lick, bye, bye. Yeah, it's sex scene after sex scene, and those sell very well, but I can't do that. I find myself, you know, when I was writing the mommy books, those fall into a category of 5,000 word shorts. I know authors who feel like that would be the death of them if they had to write only 5,000 words, tell a story from beginning until end because they're novelists. You know, they write these massive things, and that's totally fine. But to me, it was this great challenge of like, okay, I got 5,000 words. I got to make this shit happen. That was two, two sex scenes, sometimes two and a half or three and a story and characters that are actually developed by the time you reach that and it it ends and so when I was at Girlfriends Films I uh, wrote I was I did a whole bunch of these movies called the Mother Daughter Exchange Club and that was sort of my muse for the mommy the my mommy's got your daughter uh, shorts Um, they're not based on them but it's that same idea of the older younger and the swap so there's no like incest it's not even faux incest it's uh, which I don't like doing and I don't want to you don't like doing incest no but you know I know a lot of people people do that of course (gasps) including my own publisher whose book uh, under Mr. Nolan's bed was a big time big time big seller oh yeah yeah, I think those are fantasies. I mean, look, you know, like wow. mother daughter, uh, you know, I didn't even understand the mother daughter like one. That's so funny. Yeah, well, they swap, and it's, it's and I refer to everybody as a stepmother. So there's not even like real right, mothers like in there. Not a real mother because they would just the loan out their daughter, and everybody's of age. Everybody has to be right. eighteen. Um, Selena Kitt, you know, my publisher got in a lot of uh, hot water with under Mister Nolan's bed with Amazon because they banned it. Really? Yeah, I didn't even know that was a fantasy thing. Oh, it's. A gigantic market. So Selena actually opened up a sister company to Accessica called Eden. And Eden is a book, is a publishing company that only releases Taboo. Whoa. Is Taboo the whole umbrella of like, like, like stuff like that you can't publish otherwise? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That, okay. the, That's what I thought. Books that cannot find a home. Yeah, I can't find else. a home. Oh. You can't find it on Amazon. Oh. You can't do anything because they're they're all uh, straight incest books. Whoa! And probably um, bestiality, impregnation, incest books like Willie. Yeah. Oh no! Right. Listen, you know, I did I did at AVN. AVN uh, every year has something called the Adult Entertainment Expo that happens as you head into the AVN Awards. It's a week long or five days or four days. Right, the Las Vegas of an expo yeah. in Vegas, and I sat on a panel, a women only panel. Uh, 
um, of female directors. And it was called, the panel was called Respect. And I, being the only author on the panel, was able to uh, tell the group of people, the audience that was at the panel, and all their, I told them, you know, about how books are far nastier than anything I've ever made in porn and anything I've ever seen made in porn. Mm. You know, the other directors that I'm friends with. And we were all watching each other. It's a very small business. We're all, even if you're not fully aware of what another competitor is doing, you're aware. Mm -hmm. We see it on Twitter. We see it on Facebook. I'm just smashing my nose on the microphone. (laughs) But um, yeah, so anyway, people are shocked by this. And I'm surprised that people are shocked. Like your response, because I'm thinking it's that whole thing, like when you're an actor, when you're this, or you're corporate America, you just absorb your environment. So you don't even realize that people who are not in In that industry don't really don't even know. And um, yeah, you'd have to be a connoisseur of incest to uh, have to know that yeah because it is a giant giant if I wanted to write this write this moment just give up everything else and just write taboo books I'd probably make a whole lot more money than I'm making right now because they sell like right because it's rare you know and that's the thing people have fantasies about everything you know Mm. it's unbelievable uh, we're talking to Kay Brandt, and we're talking about sex and porn and everything like that. Uh, you never had any desire to act or take part in the movies, right? I am an actress, and I have acted. Oh, you have? And I, no, I'm not a performer, though. But I what have acted in oh, my... Oh, so you do, like, non-sex roles? Yeah, my own films. Okay, oh, gotcha. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but you wouldn't be, like, fucking on camera. No, I, can't, I just don't... I don't have it's that not in me. Your, yeah, it's not I don't your have thing. that in me. And besides, it's like... I mean... It's like to me, it's a one-way door, right? I mean, once you're out there, you can't put the genie back in the box. Well, I don't want to even uh, put that out there because we are finding now, we're seeing proof that 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 we can create our own realities and we can create our own past. There are many women uh, in the industry who went uh, who reached MILF status and then went beyond it and saw that their own longevity that you know they had reached a point where they needed to make a transition and they right. had enough stardom that they were able to actually switch now lisa ann was a big um she was very popular as a milf performer and um she used to have a radio show on spice right which, which dissolved you know playboy just became playboy it was playboy and spice and right that was and a man win thing that but uh but now she's doing like what a sports show on she, yeah but she had yeah. a show that i used to be a guest on her right. spice show and then she completely uh retired from the industry and made a very nice transition doing fantasy sports and just being a awesome. her, her her show on um, yeah. it's on Sirius XM. Right. I don't, I don't know if it's through Playboy or so. I can't remember, but you can catch her on Twitter still. But that's what she does. Yeah. She's all about. Oh, so sports. she transitioned back into yeah. more mainstream. She that's crazy. Did. Cool. She wow. was just here two weeks ago on Melissa's show. Okay, but but yeah, she's very cool and everything. And uh, I've had her on my show when she just got back. Uh, into the industry as mm-hmm. a MILF. That was uh, maybe eight years ago. And MILF is just like an, a mom. Like, like I know mother. Right, but it's yeah. like, is that what you call like women of a certain age? In the, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. It, like got the, it, got older, it. the older women. Oh. It's essentially, it's supposed to be women in their 30s. Jesus. And then as, you pro, as you're in your 40s and 50s, that would be cougar status. Oh. But now I'm finding that girls in their late 20s are being called MILFs just because, they, need, just because they need the work. Really? Wow. So they, so they act as though they're like 30 when they're like 20 uh, you know yeah 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 wow yeah yeah so i mean it's a complicated thing and all that you know but uh so let's well i think we know enough about this right we, <laughs> beat, we beat the shit to death yeah. i mean i could talk so much more about it but i don't want to alienate the uh uh the listeners and stuff <laughs> because no i'll tell you what no i'll tell you why because there's a few things i wanted to say and then we'll get back i mean <laughs> sex is fine yeah and let's talk about it all the time but uh <laughs> yeah okay no but uh, uh so no and just to digress completely from this because i had to bring this up Last night around 11, I'm sitting outside on my balcony on my computer and smoking a joint, right? Okay. And and uh, so I'm like on the second floor, so I always hear when people pull up to the gate, uh, uh, the parking underneath, or if they're talking and stuff, right? So in the back of my, my mind, I'm hearing these two people talking, and I don't even pay attention. Probably somebody be getting dropped off because it happens all the time. <laughs> then my phone rings, and it's the intercom. And I'm going, who the fuck is calling me at 11 o'clock at night from downstairs, yeah. right? So I said, I'll just ignore it. It's probably somebody just, just know, ringing, ringing all of them or mm-hmm. something. Uh, 
And then, so I continue my work, and then I, it, call, it calls me again from the intercom, and I'm hearing people talking, and so I'm looking over, there's a police car, and two cops, what? right, but no lights on or anything, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I said, are you guys looking for me? You know, I mean, somebody's ringing my intercom. And you're stoned, so you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Really kind of paranoid. Yeah, well, no, no, yeah, but I've gotten used to the paranoia. Because shit shit happens, man. Things get weird. It does. And I'm quickly thinking, ah, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, ah, finally after 10 years, somebody Somebody called. Somebody called. That's what I thought it was. Smoking weed, right? That's what I thought. I thought, what lame o called. Right, exactly. But as I'm thinking this, I'm saying, there's no way they would come here and tell me not to smoke in my house. Yeah. You know, and with two cop cars. But, and, and my, no, my, yeah, my neighbors can't. have been used to this for 10 fucking yeah. years, you know? So it's not like suddenly. So at any rate, he's like, he's showing me this. Like, he says, we have your check here. What? I said, the check? He says, did you write a check to uh, uh, Cynthia Gonzalez or whatever? And I'm like, uh, no, you know? I mean, why does my brother call me doing my show? Maybe he doesn't remember. Uh, but at any rate, <laughs> oh my God. Unless, uh, no, it, it worries me because I hope it's not something serious. But at any rate, uh, no, he's probably not thinking. But uh, at any rate, so the cop is showing me this. He's like, did you write a check to Felicia Gonzalez? I'm like, I don't know who she is. Like to your maid or something. I said, no. So, oh my I, God. so I'm like, and we're talking like for my balcony. Weird. So I said, would you guys like to come up or something? We'll talk about it. Yeah, sure. So as I'm going, I said, I'll just go downstairs in this. So as I'm talking to them, I'm double checking their badges. I'm like, but there's a police car outside. They can't just be pretending to be cops. Mm-hmm. And what would be the point? So they're showing me the check and uh, except for the correct name and address printed on there. Everything was wrong. It's not my bank. It's not my bank account. But it was it's your address and your name? Yeah. Wow. Not printed on the check. Wow. Not my handwriting, not my signature, nothing. Wow. So, and they had a whole box of like checks like oh this. Oh my I'm God. I'm thinking, I said, isn't this a little weird for you guys to come at 11 o'clock at yeah. night? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're right, you know? But I'm like, <laughs> well, what the? They didn't have anything else to do. Obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say this to them. I, I was going to. I was thinking to myself. Obviously, they don't have shit to do. But don't they? Aren't they worried about scaring people by coming? No, they home don't care. At eleven o'clock at night. No, but you know what's really weird about you bringing this up? Oh, is like a couple of days ago, and it's Mercury retrograde, and I always find that I'm like sent back into the past mentally, <laughs> and I'm starting to review things. And I got this really weird memory that I don't, I never like, I don't even know how it just popped into my head. But when I was 18 and 19 years old, I lived in an apartment building in Hollywood, and I brought this up last week about how I had this this apartment with four other girls and whatever. But um, I, I, you know, like uh, there was a time when none of my roommates were home and it was probably like two in the morning on probably not a weekend, (laughs) like a Tuesday. (laughs) And I had been drinking pretty heavily. And back in the day, we did a whole lot of drinking and driving in the 80s. Like, I can't believe how much I cannot believe the cars I got into with some of my girlfriends. We would be like drinking in the car and driving. I you know, know, like I don't. We know did how. it when we were stoned, but it's not the same thing, right. you know. But, but I didn't yeah. have my key when I got home. Yeah, I didn't have my friggin' key. Oh no! Okay. So I couldn't, and I don't know. And somebody dropped me off. Like I don't even know how I got to my apartment. <laughs> okay, like I was just ended Whoa. up there. And um, you know, eighteen. What the fuck do you know when you're eighteen? So, yeah. but it was all good. I just couldn't get into my apartment. So I'm just like, what do I do? Do I sleep outside? In the middle of West Hollywood, or do I start hitting buttons and maybe somebody will take pity on me? And sure, the fuck, my neighbors, who these totally cool lesbian chicks, and they were like lawyers, they were professional women, they were not partiers. And here I was <laughs> hitting their button. I'm sorry, I'm oh standing out here and I'm drunk. We let me in, and uh, they did, they came down and they let me in, and somehow I got into my my apartment and i don't yeah. even know how any of that shit happens you know that shit happens but, but for cops to come that late yeah. come on you know so it really um it uh you know i mean i just i didn't think that too much about it like i said i was high and stuff i didn't, <laughs> I didn't really care but i thought there's no way somebody said them. so i mean out of all things you know and 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 
Oh, and I'm thinking also, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I was just taking a hit. Yeah, yeah. As I was hearing them downstairs. You smoked it in front they, of them. Almost. Oh, that's know? so funny. Yeah, but yeah. they don't care about that. But I'm scared you have care. identity theft, man. No, they yeah, don't right? care about it because if you have yeah. a prescription. Yeah, it's fine. It's legal. What can they do? No, they can't. Yeah, they can't really do much of anything. They just yeah. don't want you smoking it in public. Right. Right. No, but right. the idea that someone is writing checks with your name and address printed makes me more worried, right, man. Right, I know, I know. Well, it's but, the worst part about identity theft. Right. You know, and this has happened to me with my pictures twice that people put my pictures. I was going to say this and has created happened to you. A, created a dating app profile. <laughs> they took pictures from my Facebook twice. This has happened. People came to me with this. Oh my what god! What the hell? You know? That's hysterical. So that's the identity theft too, but a diff- in a different I'm, way. I was like, I'm wondering if people are someone's doing it. One person's doing, or one all person's doing all of it. Nah. Like they're using your name and they're using your address and they're writing checks. A dating know, app, right? What the fuck? I know. I mean, and you're not even getting any of the benefit of that. Yeah, I know. I know. And and actually, the cops were giving me the check. It's like I guess we should give it to you. I'm like, why? I don't want the check. What are you going to do with mine. it? Yeah. yeah. Keep it. That's so strange that your what name kind, was on there. But what kind of an investigation is this? Yeah, yeah. here, you it take sounds it. sounds like totally like Mickey Mouse here, you know? So The whole thing sounds completely bizarre. Yeah. Right. That's why I double-checked the badges. It's really smart that you double-check their bag- badges. But and I also, can't do anything. You should, be, you should know that you're spo- you are allowed and you can you are really you can inspect their badges before they do anything. In case really? they were cosplayers for, and not no, really for cops. For real. Fourth Amendment people yeah. cunt and they could pretend to be cops. Yeah. You are allowed to check that badge. Really? Yeah. Although I don't know what you're though. checking. Yeah, exactly. For. Let me see that badge. Exactly. And then you look what and you're like, mean? okay, it looks real, I guess. And then you could ask to frisk them. Right. Mm. But I did see a police car, so I thought, okay, well, that's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> but it could have been like too. they wait for a police car and then walk up to whatever apartment. <laughs> you know, it could have been all of them. But what's the point? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the police car was parked like in the driveway. It's like you could t- you could tell they just pulled up. You know? That's hilarious. I know. So that's crazy. But anyway, that was a segue. Uh, we're talking to Kay Brandt. Uh, I'm totally horny from all this talk <laughs> and all these oh ti- those book titles. Yeah, look, I know you don't. So have to read them already. I know read I am. Them. I am. Okay. The problem is this, Kay. I have like right now seven books sitting on my. I table, hear this all the time on my coffee table. You know what I have? And to I say read to that? them. I read them all at the same time. Oh, but okay. I don't have that much time to read. I understand that. So, but but what? but yours. Could definitely come in instead of the 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 casual yeah they could totally the occasional porn and stuff I'll use that instead fuck yeah right <laughs> well for ninety nine cents you're gonna get a lot more sex than what happens I know. in a movie and and your and your imagination and besides you know yeah. what this is gonna this is probably gonna spark the all the desire I used to have as a kid when there was no video I couldn't even get pictures when you were all stealing I could do, yeah I was yeah. I was shoplifting a book or a magazine yeah. or something so I could read it <laughs> right. Well, the th- yeah, for 99, 90- I just don't understand when people are like, well, you know, I can't it's, buy it's your book. It's money. 99 fucking Shit. cents. It's exactly. 99 cents. Exactly. Just you buy it. Buy. Even if you never read it. Right. Just and if, buy it. And if you have it's kin- like a Snickers bar. Just get it. And look, if you have Kindle Unlimited, you don't even have to pay for it, you know? So what the fuck, man? Just get the, the Yeah, the that book. Kindle Unlimited is... My mommy's is, got your daughter yeah. bound by maternal love. Yeah. The nymphos next door. Come on, man. How do you pass on that? Well, <laughs> Bound by Maternal Love, I think, is probably my best one of the shorts. Really? Uh, it's the fifth book. And after I wrote it, I'm like, I've got nothing more to say about this subject. Yeah, yeah, like I've got nothing more. No more mommy books than me because and it's that's not true it's just that i felt like i'd reached a point with the series where it's about a mother who is a dominatrix and it keeps it quiet and then her daughter you know all through her daughter's teenage years she gifts her with like um corsets and this and that and she's like what the heck is my mother doing this for? you know i don't really understand and uh then she the the, the i in fact i can't even remember what happens but the girl goes <laughs> off to college and she has you know experiences and then she comes back and her mother you know it comes out and this is uh, this is my lifestyle and mm. i am really into this other woman who's at the house daughter so you're subs and we're the doms and there's pet play pet play is when somebody acts like a pet oh uh. i'm thinking you pet them yeah, you can pet oh, them. Oh, so that's what like you would pet. Oh, got it, got it. Usually they're on their hands and knees. Got it, got you might it. put a leash I've on them, those. walk yeah. them around. That's a fetish thing. So um, there's part of that. 
Um, and there's the older, younger, there's the passion of the older woman and the inexperience of the younger woman, but there's a BDSM, a kinky fetish, a vibe but to that hey, one. How can you feel, how can you know all that if you don't practice this or if you, I mean, or experience or something? I mean, I can is, write scenes that I haven't Can you write a scene yeah, about, of course. about like pet about this thing? Okay, but I that's mean, about research. Yeah, that's cheated. just research. That's oh. research. I know a lot of authors that are truly in the lifestyle, the kinky lifestyle. They are professional doms or dominatrixes. They are professional subs. That Not necessarily professional. Some do it for money, but um, some of them just do it because that's the lifestyle. It's how they want to experience their sex with a partner who understands that they're more comfortable being a sub mm-hmm. and the right. other person's more comfortable being dom. Um, and then you just see how far that goes. But mm. I'm not in that lifestyle. Right, I don't right. live that lifestyle at all. I couldn't be more... <laughs> Opposite. You're more plain vanilla, right? I'm, in many I'm ways. not plain vanilla. She's mint chip. But she I is mint chip. Yeah, yeah. Thank, I love mint chip. Me too. Fuck, I could eat that by the Me gallon. Too. <laughs> Jesus. Ugh. But uh, I'm more like, um, I like to keep my options open. I don't like to just be one thing. Yeah, that's cool. I so love handcuffs. Ex- I love binding. I like all that you kind of play. You've experimented oh, a lot yeah. in your life, right? I have. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, though. I mean, you probably don't regret any of it, right? Well, I mean, it's we should never regret you. any of these things that we did because right. it's our life, and it's a pretty sad thing to look back and have to regret the things that were that are that make up our lives. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. should have no regrets except for the dude that wrote that on a tattoo and spelled regrets wrong. It says, <laughs> it says no yeah. regrets. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that guy has regrets. Songs by Madonna is uh, Human Nature, and that's where she was like all in the fetish, and she, everybody she was playing a dominatrix in it, and she talks yeah. about the fact that uh, I didn't know we can talk about sex, yeah. and she's got no regrets. And whether it's just lyrics in a song, I don't believe it. I think she she really lives that, and I live that too. It's taken me a long time to get to this point in my life where I feel like it's okay to own all of it, mm-hmm. yeah. and that shaming yourself for your past is 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 the worst thing you could do. That's true, right? And it's, it's a waste it's, of time. It's it is. Happened. We're only yeah. on the planet for a short time. What a waste it's of time. Done and over yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. Folks, we're totally out of time. Kay, thank you so much again oh, for you're joining welcome. us. You're, oh, uh, Tori. You, I, love Kay. I love you too. You're, I'm going to clap for you're you. You're full of uh, interesting stuff and you're always welcome. <laughs> I learned so much, you guys. <laughs> right. no, I learned so much. I know so Tori's much. probably like so naive about porn I, and stuff, right? I mean, I, I definitely have read erotica books and I do have to say after seeing some porn, they are darker and more sexy I think and much more erotic than porn right um, but I, I don't I'm like kind of like more mint chip like I didn't know about like you know <laughs> Milvin all that gonzo it was fascinating <laughs> yeah but you know if you want to see a story based porn can I just pitch this real fast or but, pr- but pr- it's pr- got to be real fast because okay. I've got another show to do Babysitting the Baumgartners was my big movie last year for Adam and Eve it was the number one bestseller hot What's movie the whole again? thing Wait. Babysitting the Baumgartners it's based on Selena Kitt my publisher her New York Times bestselling novel erotic novel I made that for Adam and Eve I adapted it I turned it into it has 16 sex scenes it's four hours long and the sequel is out now on streaming and VOD and out wide on DVD in May called Adventures with the Baumgartners wow there you go there's a lot well you're welcome back anytime you know that I have so many questions I'll be back tomorrow (laughs) yeah everybody go out there smoke your weed enjoy yourself and uh, not too much edibles. Don't though. smoke and drive. Exactly. There you go. Smoke and, and love. Smoke man. and love. Yeah, smoke and laugh. Exactly. But don't Peace smoke and, and love. drive. There yeah. you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See you tomorrow. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Tori only on LA Talk Radio.